Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we discuss diversity and inclusivity in youth ministry. We're going to continue our series looking at different contexts for youth ministry. While the gospel of Jesus always stays the same, we know that a congregation's context can change programming, relationship building, and Christian education. We're going to look at how youth ministry can thrive when a church brings together a diverse group of young people. This diversity can be seen in many areas of life from ethnic and cultural diversity to socioeconomic, education diversity to physical skills and abilities. Beautiful things happen in a youth ministry or any ministry when the Holy Spirit brings unity in Christ and the Christian faith. Together with diversity in many aspects of life and life histories, these differences bring an expansion and understanding of our world and the work of God in it. And it also helps us appreciate appreciate the diversity and beauty of God's creative work. Some young people might especially be encouraged to be peacemakers and bridge builders to people who feel on the fringe of a congregation or a community. And they reflect the gracious invitation Jesus gives them in their baptism to offer Jesus' invitation to others and reflect Christ's love. Gen Z is the most diverse generation we have ever seen, and they come into our churches, I think, with an ex- expectation that their congregation is going to reflect the diversity in their community. Uh, and I think there's lots of youth ministries that desire to bring that diverse group of young people together, but they're just not really sure how to do it well because it definitely does not come naturally. It does take a, a real level of intentionality to be able to do that. Uh, and like we've been saying, the gospel is the same, but how we work across all of those ethnic, cultural, socioeconomic uh, divisions may be different for every congregation. So today we are talking with Ashley Pavla about diversity and inclusion. She wrote a chapter in Connected for Life that talked about her experience and learning and doing youth ministry in a diverse context. And she continues to see the work of the Holy Spirit in her current daily ministry. Ashley has served youth and families for over 17 years of ministry. Ashley currently serves as the youth and family director of All Nations Church and LCMS Church Plant in University City, Missouri. Ashley met her husband, Chris, while serving together at Pathfinder Lutheran Church in Ellisville, Missouri, and they have been married for 16 years and have five children. Ashley, we're uh, so glad you're here uh, for End Goals Podcast. We got to hear a little bit, just a little brief snippet uh, in your bio, but tell us something about your vocations, your roles in youth ministry, and other things that bring you joy. Absolutely. It is an honor to be here. I'm glad to spend my time with you guys today. So I have been working in all different areas of youth ministry and children's ministry and family ministry for over 17 years, like uh, Mark had mentioned, and anything from the nursery to middle schoolers and, and high schoolers and all different ages. So I really enjoy that. In our current role, I oversee all of those areas of ministry and work with a team of people who lead those um, groups specifically in our events or Bible studies or youth gatherings. And I think personally for me, some things that I'm passionate about or that bring me joy, obviously I have lots of kids, (laughs) maybe uh, too many sometimes. So so we, my hands are very full, but so is my heart. So we, our family also has grown through adoption and foster care. And so those are things that are really passions of mine and helping people heal and notice their trauma and heal through their trauma and kind of that connected parenting approach that that can bring that safety and that trust into the home that maybe isn't naturally there. So those are some big areas of, of you know, passion and focus in my life too. Fantastic. So you've been able to see through your ministry how the Holy Spirit works in the lives of young people and their families. And one of the things we love to hear from youth ministry leaders is about their own junior and senior high school years. 
And can you share maybe a little bit how Jesus used a key moment or moments or people to keep you connected or bring you close to him or the church? Sure. I actually think part of the reason I care so much about youth ministry is because I didn't really have that um, connection as a teenager. My family moved a lot. We lived internationally. We lived in several states in the United States as well. And so faith was something that was important to my parents, but it wasn't something that was necessarily like an outlet that we had. We didn't we didn't always have a church home. We didn't always have a place to kind of like have that youth ministry experience. So I was actually in college when I started volunteering at Pathfinder Church and where my parents did live in town there. And so we, we did go there occasionally and I started volunteering there and through kind of the leadership in that church, I really felt God direct my life in this direction of pouring into young people. I went away as a volunteer on a youth ministry retreat in middle school for these middle schoolers. And I remember coming home and saying, I think I want to work with middle schoolers. And people were like, are you crazy? Nobody <laughs> likes middle schoolers. Like, they're the worst. They're so squirrely and crazy. They're, not, and they're like, the best. I love them. I love middle they're schoolers. So good. And I just saw in them this opportunity for for them to miss so much of the misdirection that I had. I mean, I just yeah. felt like I was trying to find myself for so long and, you know, where do I want to go? What do I want to be? And and none of that was dependent on my faith with God. And to have that glimpse at what life could be like for a young person, if they can catch that foundation of being loved and created um, for a purpose, I think that's probably why I'm so passionate about connecting with those younger kids now. Well, luckily you are in good company because I think our listeners would also agree <laughs> that junior high kids are pretty fantastic and, and have a passion for that as well. Uh, so you and your husband, Chris, get to partner in your ministry at All Nations Church. Chris serves as the pastor and you serve as the director of youth and family ministry in a, in a really richly diverse part of St. Louis. So tell us more about All Nations Church and your community and what you love about working with young people uh, in that congregation and community. Absolutely. Our church is unique. We are a church plant and we're built in a, a very unique model focused around small groups. So we talk about taking church from being just a monologue to a dialogue. And so we do have those monthly large group gatherings where everyone that's connected with all nations is welcome to come and be a part of those kind of more what you would picture as a church service. But on every Sunday, other than those once a month large group weeks, we are meeting in small groups and that is our church. And, you know, my husband works really hard to put together a great discussion guide that that makes that experience unified across the board. And he provides an opening teaching for all the groups to participate in. And then we build our youth ministry discussion guides off of that topic as well. So the church can be kind of focusing on the same area, which is really nice because like you mentioned, our community is really diverse and our church is really diverse. And we have some people that have been in the church for a long time and some people that haven't been in the church. Mm -hmm. So when your child comes home and starts talking about something and you talked about something else and you don't know how to have this conversation, that can be really challenging. So we specifically design our discussion guides and our ministry to be cohesive on a Sunday morning so that when a student does come home and start talking about whatever they discussed on Sunday, the parent can feel confident in guiding that conversation at home as well. So that's a really important thing. And we do talk about being a church that's as diverse as the city we serve, which we are in University City, which is just a mid suburb right outside of St. Louis City. We're kind of sandwiched between one of the richest areas in St. Louis, like Clayton Ledoux, and some of the more impoverished areas like Pagedale and Ferguson and, and different areas like that that face different kinds of challenges. So we are diverse, but as a city, we're not necessarily very integrated. We're pretty segregated. So for us as a church, that's been a big um, 
calling is to be a place where people are united under the cross of Christ and we can find that unity and that acceptance of each other by listening and learning from each other. So it's a, a big value for us. I loved reading your article again, and now it's been a couple of years since you wrote that article yes, yeah. and continue on in your ministry here in St. Louis and to see the growth and just the inroads that you've made and the opportunities you've had to serve. And, and already in that article, and I know you could probably add so many more stories onto this, you reflect on the importance of gaining trust in a diverse community and I think the investment that that can take. And you write that one cannot assume that trust will just come easily, especially in cultures different than our own. Hey, what are some of the steps that church workers can take to gain trust or that you did and and to build trust with people or people groups different from themselves? Yeah, I think building trust is so important. And I mentioned earlier that our home, you know, grew through adoption and foster care and that trust isn't always assumed in that kind of mm -hmm. a setting. Mm -hmm. And I think that heart that, that God had put in us as we grew our family that way has translated into our ministry and that we see the trauma that America has faced. And we have to heal through that. And so it, it starts with building trust that this is a safe place, that I don't need anything from you. I'm not here to take from you. I'm not here to feel better about myself, mm -hmm. that I'm really here because I love you and I want to know more about you and I want to be a supportive person in your life. And so I think it there's a lot of layers to it and there's more information in the book, like you said, but um, coming in with open ears and open hearts and being able to listen to people mm. and not assume that we know how to fix something or that even something needs to be fixed, but being willing to learn from the people around us and listen to their experience and kind of take off our expert hat and just be there to serve and to love and to, to be a blessing to the community again without expecting anything in return. Yeah, I love that, you know, that identifying the need to, I need to find a, a, tr a relationship of trust before we can do anything else, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to assume that you're going to trust us because we're a church or because right. we're church workers, because, right. you know, because we're we're leading the youth group. But like, hey, what? how do we start kind of in that humble spot? And you, you write in the chapter about how in diverse settings rests a lot in your ability to humbly listen right. <laughs> and to learn from others rather than sort of have to prove competency or knowledge. And this can put in you in a reciprocal relationship, which is which yep. what we want, which is really healthy. But sometimes that's hard for us to fight against maybe insecurities or our needs to be like the experts. Right. So how have you experienced that is in your ministry, uh, what are some lessons maybe you've learned that might be helpful for people as they struggle through, like, how do I how do I start to build that trust through that reciprocal relationship? Right. I think especially for a lot of people in our denominational background, like we value intelligence and, and education and expertise so very much. You know, that's why we have seminaries. That's why we have Lutheran schools. That's why, because we know it matters, you know, and there is a level of um, excellence and a level of accountability that comes with that and having those basics of, you know, this is, this is our foundation. But with that can sometimes become, you know, you do feel like the expert. You feel like you kind of come out of college or come out of seminary kind of knowing what you're going to do and knowing how it should be done. And there is a level of humility <laughs> that is required to, to let someone else know more about something than you. And there is zero way that I know more about being African-American or being Asian or being having special needs or living in a different socioeconomic economic status. I, I share that in the 
book too. You know, my grandmother went to college. Like I'm a mm-hmm. third generation college student. And there are so many people in America who have no one in their families ever been to college, you know? And so I can't be the expert in something I've never experienced. So I have to be willing to walk into an environment and say, tell me more about what your life is like. I want to hear from you. I have so much to learn from you. I don't come in here with all the answers, even knowing what challenges in your life need to be solved. I, I don't, I, there's no way for me to know that. So being able to recognize that there are things that we do know, and there are things that we can be experts on for sure, but that there is so much out there still to learn and still to listen to. And that's been, I mean, there's been like kitchen floor crying in the corner mm-hmm. moments for me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just going, can I really take this? Am I, or even feeling like you're fake or you're trying to make sure that, that people, you're not trying to fit in so much into a new culture that you can just authentically say, I don't know what you mean when you say that, or, well, tell me more about what you expect me to bring to dinner. Cause I don't, you know, I don't know what you guys normally have when you invite people over to dinner. So what would you like me to bring? Or, you know, just asking questions and, and that can be uncomfortable for us because we feel vulnerable when we ask a question, you know, we feel like, we're admitting that we don't know something, but that's been a huge area of growth for me. And I feel like right now I just live in a question all the time. I'm just yeah. <laughs> constantly trying to understand other people and their perspectives and listen to them and, and listen to God. You uh, talk about in the chapter, I think it's helpful. You kind of set the context a little bit, or maybe where some of our LCMS churches find themselves in maybe a changing community around them. And so they're looking to, they're looking to take steps into a more diverse culture that's around them. And you use the term talking about how do we learn to be those people who will take steps out of maybe what we might call the majority culture. And that could be on a lot of different facets on how that majority might be. Mm -hmm. But really to have that encouragement to take the step. And you write specific, I'm going to quote the book here. You say, friends, we are called to cross the street. And you're referencing uh, the uh, story of the Good Samaritan to see the other. And we are called to value all because we are all bearers of Imago Dei, the image of God. And it's vital to take active steps to connect, empathize, listen, and invest so we can build trust as we grow to understand their pains and celebrations. So I just want to say, like, what are maybe some small steps church workers or youth themselves can take to cross the street to see and serve the other in their context? Absolutely. I think first is realizing that the other is not far away. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can feel like oh, well, I have to go to this other country to find someone who's not like me. But goodness, there are people all around us who have different experiences than us. And so first, I think it's kind of assessing where you're at, which there is a really um, helpful tool in the chapter in the book to do that as well. Kind of assess what is in my community and and where do I stand in my community? And maybe there's things going on that I don't have connections with yet or that I haven't kind of crossed the street to um, interact with. So first, I think there's a level of recognition that, you know, personally needs to happen. But then there's some active steps you can take, even as small as like who you follow on social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it is so easy to just today decide, you know what, I want to learn more about this group of people. Like I want to have a better understanding of special needs and, you know, what what that looks like. And so I'm going to go on Instagram and I'm going to look for people that are celebrating special needs or kids with special needs or adults with careers with special needs. I'm just going to hear from that voice. I'm going to follow a bunch of people or I'm going to follow more people from this ethnic group or even from this, you know, different social economics, economic status. Like I'm going to try and just see more voices and hear more voices. And social media is an easy way to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. But you can also just get connected with an organization maybe that serves a people, a group of people that 
doesn't look like you. You could help with the Special Olympics or you could volunteer with a food pantry that's in a community that looks different than yours. My husband and I talk a lot about riding the bus. We live in a community where that is a primary form of transportation for a lot of people. And it's kind of a luxury to be able to jump in your car and run to the grocery store. And so to just say, you know what, this week I'm going to ride the bus and I'm going to see the way that people in my community you know, receive transportation <laughs> and what and what their life is like and just kind of putting yourself in situations that you're not normally in. I love that. Encouraging people to ride the bus and public transit's a great way to get to know <laughs> the is. people around your community. It is. But even um, trying out different grocery stores or yeah. I mean just there's so many ways that you can get connected mm-hmm. and, and start to really listen and, and hear better. So if we're focusing on inclusivity in youth ministry, how can we help young people to feel at home and find places to lead and serve? And this can be, you know, sometimes there feels like uh, people coming in and as young people are starting to join the the congregation, that leadership and service can be a little bit um, different when Mm -hmm. you're bringing in people from different kind of aspects and different cultures. So how do you help them to do that? I think if we can start with not assuming that anyone knows what to expect, Mm -hmm. you know, and so even down to the language that we use, you know, explaining things and more you know, simple terms or in more everyday terms, or making sure that when people do walk in, there is a level of value to what they like as well. You know, one thing that we've done that we've been able to do in our context is to, when we when we have grown our youth ministry experiences, we've always started with a couple kids and sat down with mm-hmm. them and said, you know what, what would you like to see? Like, what would you like this to be like? What kind of activities do you want to do? What kind of um, discussions do you want to have? And just recently, coming back from COVID, which has been challenging for churches everywhere, but in our in our community as well, there is a level of fear of the vaccine and just kind of a mistrust of medicine. And there's also a higher likelihood to have negative impacts of COVID. So you're at a, a higher risk group and you're at a less trusting group of, of, of the vaccine. And so there's a lot of cautiousness in our community and coming back together with COVID and making sure we're doing it safe. So sitting down with kids and saying, okay, we're going to come back together. What makes you feel most comfortable? Do you want to be outside or inside? Do you want to limit the attendance size for different events? Do you, you know, what kind of things make you feel safe? And then beyond that saying, just recently when we started meeting back in person, we have a new intern that has joined us to lead our high school group, which is really awesome. And she sat down and was like, okay, so I want to make sure that, you know, this discussion guide, you know, fits our needs. What do you guys like about the discussion guides? What do you want? And they were like, we want more questions, (laughs) which is not what I would have anticipated (laughs) personally, but that's what they said. And so she spends time now making sure we have more discussion questions for them because they like that piece of it. And so it's just having those open ears to say, what will make you feel more comfortable here and giving teenagers have an opportunity to share that and to give their voice on what what matters to them and, and what makes them feel comfortable and feel safe. But I think not assuming that that you know what they want is number one, mm-hmm. because we don't know unless we ask. And it's really great for us to feel like we know exactly how to plan the best ever youth ministry event, or we know exactly <laughs> what a youth Bible study should look like. We know, right? We figured, got this all figured out. But until we ask, we don't know. I think every youth minister has had, well, anybody who's done youth ministry has done that at least once, right? right? I totally know what we're doing. I I put a lot of time and effort into something and kind of go like, oh, oh no, this didn't that work. was not it, <laughs> right? Um, 
that's, so that's, I feel like that's a universal thing right. beyond the diversity thing, but it, but yes. it is amplified when yes. you are bringing people with different needs and right. different desires, different expectations yeah. together. Yeah. It, you have to just listen even harder. Absolutely. We even have, we have a student that's in our youth ministry that has Down syndrome and we've been really intentional about asking his parents, like what would make this most enjoyable for him? Like how would he be able to connect in the best way possible and what kind of things would interest him? And so it's just sitting there going, if I want this person to feel comfortable, I need to take into account, you know, what they are looking for, what they desire down to like what kind of style of music they listen to or things like that. So that's great. So talk about maybe taking another step forward if we've got churches who are maybe ready to start taking that step into doing a ministry into inviting diversity into their youth ministry or into their congregation in different ways. You have this little helpful side where you look at three memorable and effective steps that are very practical, no matter where you're at in this step. And you, you're talking in the specifics of a multi-ethnic ministry, but I think it s- speaks to diversity on different levels. Yes. And you point to pastor and author Mark Demaz as the source of these steps. Can you say a little bit about those? Yes. He talks about stating, staffing, and staging a multi-ethnic vision. And I think that has been foundational for us. And so stating a, a multi-ethnic vision or stating a vision of any kind of inclusivity starts with, you know, sitting down with the people in your leadership team, whoever that may be, and saying, you know, these are things we care about. How do we want to put together a cohesive statement. So for us, it's a church as diverse as the city we serve. And that means a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. But it's just a really cohesive way to put into words that we care about this, that it matters to us. And as you start to move toward that, or as you work through that, you're always going to face resistance or people who feel uncomfortable. Or And it can be helpful to hold that back up and say, you know what, we're a church as diverse as the city we serve. And so that means we might have to... Um, lower our own expectations or, or change what makes us comfortable to make sure other people are comfortable coming in because it's more important for them to come and feel comfortable than it is for us to be here already and stay comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. And so to be able to point back at that vision statement is really helpful. To staff a multi-ethnic vision, here we're talking about giving people a voice. It's not just like if I look at my roster, oh yes, there's a person of color and they're also the janitor. Like that is not staffing. You know, we are looking for a voice. We want to give people of color the opportunity to have leadership decisions, to have planning decisions. So it's not just a number or a statistic of how many people on my staff are African-American or how many people on my staff have different diversity elements. It's about leadership and it's about a voice. And so it's, it's making sure that they have a way to give their insights. Again, it's back to us not knowing everything. Mm -hmm. We don't know unless we give someone else a chance to sit at the table and say, when the music's like this, it just, it doesn't feel like home to me, right? I don't connect with it. Or, you know, when, when you're teaching and you're talking, you're coming from a perspective of someone who grew up in a home that always had food at the table and I didn't. And so it makes me feel really uncomfortable when you speak out of this place of abundance, you know, or whatever. Um, but we won't know if we don't listen and we don't give people the chance to give that kind of voice into our leadership as a church. And then to stage a multi-ethnic vision, this is staging more in the sense of what you would see in like a play. Like you're you're not just a stage platform, but like the setting. So are we creating an environment where we are showing that we care about this vision, this multi-ethnic vision? And so that might be down to the stock photos on your brochures, are they all white people or do they show other skin colors as well? Or for us, when you walk into our church, the first thing you see is a welcome wall and it says welcome in tons of different languages. And just to say, when I walk in, if I see this and it's like, oh, that's my language, then I know I belong here. 
there's a lot of different ways we can do that. And and some of it is the color of the skin of the people in leadership on stage two or the people greeting you when you walk in the door. There's all of those different elements. I think that's so helpful in terms of just thinking through those different ways of thinking about inclusivity to be able to have those conversations, uh, be able to be listening well. And then I appreciated you know the idea of feeling welcome. What would that take to listen well and to be able to know that people have a place at home in the church and with your individual members of your congregation as well? That's a place where trust is there and the love of Christ is known. So great steps, I think, as you're trying to think through those filters and how do you take those next steps into building a ministry that's focused on inclusivity of people in your community? So if people are listening to this, they're saying, hey, I'm seeing my community is getting more diverse. We see the young people in my church are getting more diverse. We want to lean into that. <laughs> we want to we want to embrace that. We're kind of thinking about how we can do that well. And they've given great steps so far. But maybe what are some things that you want them to try and avoid as they go into that? Sure, sure, sure. That's a great question. Um, I think for us, we have to make sure we remember why this matters. Mm that we are all bearers of the Imago Dei. We are all created in God's image. And if we're doing this purely because we want to look cool or we want to look relevant or we want to up our diversity numbers, then we're not after the right things. We have to truly walk into this because we love all people and we want all people to feel loved in our church and to know the love of God. And if that is our goal, then we come at it from a, a place of authenticity and a place of truly wanting to learn and not just wanting a, a token person up on stage to um, make us look different or trying to make one person speak for an entire people group. You know, that's that's not fair either to look at one black person and be like, tell us what you black people want at church. <laughs> you know, that's not it. It's it's loving the people in your community and loving their uniquenesses and giving them an opportunity to share about that and coming at it in a way where they're welcomed and they're heard and they're seen, but it's not for your own gain. It's for their blessing and our blessing together as the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your experience and some great insights on how we can be thinking about uh, diversity and inclusivity in youth ministry. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys. I love Ashley's emphasis on listening and learning. I think that's really true. Mm-hmm. in ministry in so many different ways, but in particular, as you're as you're looking at the diverse people that in your community and in your congregation that you're trying to engage. I I love the phrase, everyone's an expert at something, right? <laughs> That's what, part of what I studied in my master's degree. We would say that a lot is you know, everyone's an expert in something. And so really just finding the ways that God has gifted uh, and skilled the people around you, the experience that they have, uh, and being able to really ask good questions to listen well and how much trust that can build Mm. and a great foundation in which to really embrace that diversity. I think it comes through and what Ashley was saying, I know it does in her chapter too, is that definitely to go in there with that kind of having the the long goal in mind that there might be things that's not going to happen overnight necessarily, but yet too, the Holy Spirit um, works great unity amongst people too, that some exciting things happen when be able to have that um, attitude and idea to be listening well and to getting to know your neighbor, um, getting to know them as individuals, not just looking at national statistics or anything like that, but actually get to know them as those who are loved by Jesus um, and get to know them and their gifts and what they can bring into the community where you're at. 
Mark, come on. I don't have to just look at statistics. I'm sorry. I have to talk to people. At least look at your local statistics. Uh, and look at no, I, right, right. <laughs> statistics really do. I mean, that's what that that it does. It gives yeah. us this 10,000 foot view. And, and there are things that you can learn. I always love looking at the census data for my neighborhood mm-hmm. and the census mm-hmm. data around uh, my church. Maybe not everybody's cup of tea, but that only goes so far, right? You know, you can learn a lot of things from that, but you can't learn about your neighbors and those people. And the more that you get to know them and you're willing to hear their voice, I, I really love this. I should kind of close with that idea of like making sure you're giving them opportunities to, to lead and make decisions. That's true for your young people. <laughs> we always want you to be listening well, to listen to their voice, to give them opportunities to to speak into ministry but the, and then to lead and make decisions. But that becomes even more important as you're bringing different groups together that everyone has that same ability to have at that, be at the table of leadership and be able to kind of speak into what works for everyone together and not just one group is the experts and the others are 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 constantly being asked to follow. So, so much to think about. So glad that Ashley was able to be here and to kind of help us think through some of those important issues. But some closing questions for you to consider. How are you listening to the people in your community and learning about them? How can you listen well to young people and give them opportunities to serve and lead? And then how are you setting an example and helping young people to cross the street and meet those who are different than themselves? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as we all do ministry in an ever more diverse culture. We know that diversity can look a lot of different ways, but that God has given us such rich variety of race, culture, and experience. And may you celebrate the wonderful diverse ways that God has made you and your community and your congregation. And Gold's podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.